Good morning. In today's headlines, Dr. Raz and other Republican candidates are hoping to sway Pennsylvania voters across party lines. Hear what they had to say at the Get Out the Vote rally on Saturday. Philadelphia officials are accused of using taxpayer money to fund abortions. Find out what happened at the hearing on Friday. Did top government officials like Anthony Fauci conspire with big tech companies on censorship? That's what two state attorneys general want to know. Thousands of protesters take to the streets in Paris on Sunday. The protest was organized by left-wing opponents of President Emmanuel Macron, demanding a stop to rising costs of living and transportation. And a young boy donates his entire piggy bank to Hurricane Ian victims and inspires a big movement. We spoke to him and his dad. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good Monday morning. It's October 17th today. You know, I'm so glad you had a chance to speak to that young man. Piggy banks can be so precious at that age, and yet he gave it up. Looks like a little selflessness can go a long way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes it just takes this one person to get the ball rolling. But first, we begin with some different news. We have updates on the California serial killer. Police arrested a suspect in Stockton over the weekend. He has been identified as 43-year-old Wesley Brownlee. He's suspected of killing six people and wounding one other. Police believe the arrest prevented another killing. Investigators were led to his location by tips from the community. He was under surveillance and arrested while out driving on Saturday. Police say Brownlee was dressed in black, had a gun, and appeared to be out hunting for another victim when they took him into custody. The shooting started last year and continued into September. The county district attorney's office is reviewing the evidence. No motive has been released. The suspect is set to appear in court on Tuesday for arraignment. And the midterm elections are less than a month away. Pennsylvania Republicans seeking victory are looking for votes outside their party. Candidates held a get-out-the-vote rally on Saturday. They shared what they bring to the table if elected and organized supporters to knock on doors to spread the message. And today's Jeremy Sandberg brings us more about the event. Your next senator, Dr. Oz. The Get Out the Vote rally was held in Malvern, west of Philadelphia. Dr. Mehmet Oz, who is running for U.S. Senate, encouraged supporters to go out and ask independents and Democrats for their vote. You someone, someone say a Democrat, get excited. That's exactly the person you want to talk to, because you can convince them. And you're going to say, we stand for change. We stand for the reality that you can balance the budget, stop recklessly spending, and fix our economy, which we will do. You can make sure they know that we stand for an all-of-the-above energy policy in order to keep our environment clean. Oz says he has solutions to the ongoing energy crisis, a matter on the minds of all Pennsylvanians. The smartest thing we can do to preserve Pennsylvania's environment is to make sure natural gas is safely being pumped, cleanly being pumped, and piped where it needs to be. We're going to build an LNG facility right here, right here. Guy Shiraki, a Republican nominee for U.S. House, shared Oz's sentiment. It's amazing watching the president as gas prices go up, as people are in trouble, as he flies around to the other side of the planet looking for energy. It's like a game. It's standing right under our feet. We know it here in Pennsylvania more than anyone else. So we have the solutions. We will make America energy independent. 
On the state level, candidates are also focusing on the issues at the forefront of voters' minds. In Pennsylvania here, we are the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. We can do this much cleaner than buying dirty oil from our enemies like Venezuela and Russia. We can have so many jobs here in Pennsylvania. Speakers also talked about bringing down inflation, high crime rates, and fentanyl trafficking, among other issues. I think crime, the energy, and education are the three biggest issues in Pennsylvania. The candidates hope their ideas will move voters across party lines. I think that his message is resonating with people more and more about his ability to help create a good economic climate in Pennsylvania, his focus on the crime issue, the drug issue, uh, keeping the borders under control. The general election is held on November 8th. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The city government of Philadelphia is facing a lawsuit for using taxpayer money to fund abortions. A public hearing was held for the case on Friday. Let's take a look. Two Philadelphia residents sued city officials in August for giving $500,000 of taxpayer money to the Abortion Liberation Fund of Pennsylvania, an organization that helps women get abortions. A public hearing for the case was held at the Philadelphia Common Pleas Court last Friday. The plaintiffs told NTD why they filed the lawsuit. Because we feel it's important that the city be held accountable for its flagrant ignorance or misappropriation of funds, that they are now sending our tax dollars and the tax dollars of other citizens of Philadelphia and actually of the entire country to pay for abortions, and that is strictly prohibited by federal, commonwealth, and city laws. The lawsuit argues that the city violated both the federal Hyde Amendment and Pennsylvania's state version of the law. The Hyde Amendment bars the use of federal funds to pay for abortions except in limited circumstances. The two plaintiffs say they are concerned over the FBI's recent activities targeting pro-life activists, but that they are putting their faith in God in this case. We have to be true to our faith. We have to be true to our beliefs. And there are women and babies out there that are being harmed, and they need us to stand up for them. Those babies need our concern. And we have an obligation, no matter what happens to us, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we answer to God. The plaintiffs and their attorneys say they are in the lawsuit for the long haul. And in case the judge rules against them, they are ready to appeal the decision. Uh, ultimately, we feel very comfortable. Uh, I'm not sure what this, this judge has a lot of issues uh, that he's dealing with, so I'm not sure how this judge is going to decide the issues, uh, but we feel confident that ultimately we're going to prevail, whether it's with the Commonwealth Court, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, or the United States Supreme Court if necessary. Attorneys for the defendant declined interviews with NTD. According to the plaintiff's attorney, the judge has indicated that he will issue a decision on the lawsuit later this week. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. President Joe Biden will campaign for Charlie Crist in the election for Florida's governor. Crist is taking on Governor Ron DeSantis, a potential Biden rival in the 2024 presidential election. Biden and DeSantis have publicly played nice with each other in recent weeks in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. But the differences between them are stark. He has clashed with Biden on multiple policy issues, including COVID-19 vaccines, immigration and abortion access. Stumping for Christ could be an effort by Biden to go toe-to-toe -to -toe against a man who is likely a presidential hopeful. Biden will travel to Philadelphia on Thursday to participate in the reception for John Fetterman. And Fetterman is Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor and Democratic candidate for the U.S. Senate. 
Fetterman is running against TV doctor Mehmet Oz, the Republican candidate, in one of the more high-profile Senate races. The current Senate is split 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans. This gives Vice President Kamala Harris the tie-breaking vote and a razor-thin edge to Democrats in the upper chamber. Right, and recent polls show DeSantis leading Christ by a margin of 50 to 43 percent. The election is on November 8th. And plaintiffs in a high-profile case seek to depose t 10 top officials, including Dr. Anthony Fauci. They allege collusion between government officials and big tech companies on censorship. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story. In a recent motion, the attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri and other plaintiffs requested that a U.S. court allow them to depose Fauci. They also seek to depose former White House Press Secretary Jem Psaki, FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan, and others. A joint statement by the plaintiffs say that emails and other documents uncovered in discovery have revealed an enormous and far-reaching censorship enterprise. The statement continues that officials had their most revealing communications with social media companies orally, not in writing, and that high-ranking federal officials were more likely to rely on oral communications to pressure social media platforms to censor. Fauci, for instance, spoke by phone with a group of scientists who then wrote a paper berating other scientists who said COVID could have come from a laboratory in China. The motion further states that Fauci was in touch with Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, but that the content of oral communications between the two is yet to be revealed. Department of Justice lawyers say taking 10 depositions would be burdensome. This case has a sped-up discovery where less depositions are the norm. The plaintiffs say deposing high-level officials is necessary because they have first-hand knowledge that cannot be obtained elsewhere. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Now we have a follow-up to last week's protest against the Chinese regime. The protester was immediately arrested, and it is unknown what happened after. Right after that protest on a busy overpass in Beijing, the same slogan appeared again, this time in a public restroom. This during the 20th Communist Party Congress, which is held from October 16th to 22nd. Several photos circulating online showed a message in large characters saying, no dictatorship, no COVID test, we need food, we need freedom, no COVID test, save China. It's believed the incident happened in a men's restroom at the China Film Archive and Photograph Library in Beijing. Several flyers were also posted on the wall reading, government through general election, elect a leader with a vote, a new movement to defend the republic. Another photo shows people picking up the flyers in the restroom with the same slogan as the banners on the bridge. Some photos also show text in English written on the doors saying, Life, not zero COVID policy, freedom, not lockdown, reform, not regression. After, Beijing, after the Beijing Bridge incident, officials urgently hired so-called bridge watchers. According to recruitment posts, it's a 24-hour position for at least 15 days. Two people per shift, including eating and sleeping in a tent at the location. A worker spoke to the Epoch Times and said the job is about so-called maintaining stability. The protesters will likely face severe punishment. One netizen had an interesting take on the situation. He commented after the incident in the restroom that officials will probably send toilet watchers to each public restroom. U.S. tech giant Apple has suspended plans to use memory chips from China's Yangtze Memory Technologies, or YMTC, in its products. 
this after Washington imposed tighter export controls against Chinese tech companies. Apple originally planned to start using state-funded YMTC's flash memory chips as early as this year. The chips were initially only intended for iPhones sold on the Chinese market. Apple was considering eventually purchasing up to 40% of the chips needed for all iPhones from YMTC. The United States last week added YMTC plus 30 other Chinese entities to a list of companies that U.S. officials have been unable to inspect. This has stoked tensions with Beijing, starting a 60-day clock that could trigger much tougher penalties. YMTC is also being investigated by the U.S. Commerce Department over whether it violated Washington's export controls by selling chips to blacklisted Chinese telecom company Huawei. And coming up, Russia opens an investigation after two gunmen killed 11 people at a Russian military training exercise. The targets were personnel who volunteered to fight in Ukraine. And thousands took to the streets in Paris over the weekend. Protesters demanded wage increases and action on the rising cost of living. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. More than 70 cars were destroyed by a grass fire during an event in Temple, Texas on Saturday. The cars were parked in a grassy field at the fall festival celebration at Robinson Family Farm. The Bell County Fire Marshal said someone may have discarded a cigarette in dry grass, sparking the blaze. Bell County is under a burn ban because of extreme drought conditions. Fortunately, no one was injured. And as we know, Hurricane Ian left destruction in its wake. Many are trying to help, and that includes a seven-year-old boy. He gave up everything he had in his piggy bank and inspired an entire movement. I spoke to him and his dad. Joining me now are Dominic D'Andrea and his dad, Brian. Welcome. It's so good to have you guys. Welcome. Thank you. So, I mean, I read the story. At that point, I had only even read the headline, and I was so inspired that I just thought, you know, I have to speak to this young man, Dominic. So, you know, you gave up your entire piggy bank. Please tell me why you wanted to do that. Because I love Florida and they need it more than I do. Because their houses were going down and they were going to get really hurt. He was, he was watching TV that morning on Wednesday morning and when it was just hitting Florida. And that's when it happened. And that's when he, that's when he uh, ran up and got his piggy bank and came down and made that the video. And he was really, uh, he was in tears afterward. That's the part that no one sees, you know, but um, really. It was really, it was really cool. And of course it kind of snowballed from there and it turned into a pretty big effect that we've got going on down there, a pretty big wow. movement. So did your parents tell you about how much you inspired with this gesture? Do you know what happened afterwards? Mm -hmm. You went down and seen it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we went down to Florida last week. Um, we, we had this going on now. We, we sent four semis down to Florida. Um, we started immediately, uh, uh, after, after we started getting donations, you know, last two weeks ago now, and um, we were just going to drive a box truck down to some family and friends down there that needed some stuff, you know, and that turned into uh, making some connections up here that allowed us to send semis down there. So we collected enough donation money to send two of our own, and then um, we actually had a company match from her corporate headquarters to send two more. So now we had four semis, and we had to, we filled up a 26-foot box truck. 
Well, the house that we were staying at in the back, there was a bunch of stuff tearing apart of the house. And there's this like cage thing by the pool that was protecting it. And there was a hole in it. And there was, uh, trees were uprooted. We mm-hmm. were in a house that was washed wow. away Trying pretty this. much. And, and we've seen total devastation down there in areas. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. Dominic, what you did was so very selfless, and I very much admire that. I understand this weekend is actually the last run that you guys will have. So good luck uh, and all the best to you guys. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Dominic told me that he was actually saving up for that electric scooter for four years, but it still felt good to give it away because he was helping people. Uh, and you know, Brian said that he's incredibly proud of him and as a f- as of, of him and as a family, they're really happy they were able to help in the way they could. And at the same time, they teach their kids the value of giving and sharing. In an intelligence update, the UK Ministry of Defense stated that Russia has fired more than 80 cruise missiles into Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin said the attacks, which are said to have occurred on October 10th, were a retaliation for the early attack on the Kerch Bridge, a landmark strategic importance for Russia. Ukraine's defense ministry said that some of the missiles were shot down, but dozens struck Kyiv, killing civilians and damaging infrastructure. According to a post on social media, the UK defense ministry said the attacks represent a degradation of Russia's long-range missile stocks, likely limiting Russia's ability to hit future targets of their choice. British military intelligence reported that Russia faced logistical problems in southern Ukraine after the blast on the Kerch Bridge damaged railroad traffic. A Ukrainian army spokesman said that on Sunday, Russians have begun the evacuation of state institutions from the Kyrgyzstan region to Crimea. He said the Ukrainian army carried out 20 strikes over the past day. And Elon Musk had a change of heart about supplying Ukraine with Starlink Internet service. He says there is a need for good deeds. That followed a Friday statement when Musk said the Starlink operation was costing him money and could not go on indefinitely. But then the following day, he said he will be providing the service pro bono. And this is what he said in his tweet. Even though Starlink is still losing money and other companies are getting billions of taxpayer dollars, we will keep funding the Ukraine government for free. The decision comes after the billionaire released a peace plan the Ukraine officials dismissed as being too generous to Russia. Russia has opened a criminal investigation after gunmen killed 11 people at a military training ground. The shooting took place near the Ukrainian border on Saturday. A Russian news agency reported two gunmen opened fire with small arms during a firearms training exercise. The targets were personnel who had volunteered to fight in Ukraine. According to an unconfirmed statement from a senior Ukrainian official, the two men were from the mainly Muslim Central Asian Republic of Tajikistan. The the attack allegedly followed an argument over religion. Some Russian independent media outlets reported the number of casualties was higher. Both gunmen were shot and killed. Going over to a different topic now, over in Paris, protesters piled into the streets on Sunday. The march for wage increases and other demands was organized by left-wing opponents of President Macron. Here's Entities Costa Menes with the details. Thousands took to the streets in Paris on Sunday, as transport and wage strikes have been sparking chronic gasoline shortages. 
Giant lines have been forming at gas stations, fraying nerves among millions of French workers and other motorists dependent on their vehicles. We have a few demands. For me, being here shows that we must act and resist exploitation. As for the cost of living, we have inflation at 6%. But if we take consumer goods into account, it's more than 10%. So the loss of purchasing power is at 10%, basically a drop in salaries. That's what it comes down to. Macron's government is also on the defensive in parliament, where it lost its majority in legislative elections in June. That's making it much harder for the government to implement its domestic agenda against strengthened opponents. Parliamentary discussion of the government's budget plan for next year is proving particularly difficult. In a speech to the Paris March, far-left leader Jean-Luc Mélenchon charged that Macron is fried and that his leadership is plunging France into chaos. Demonstrating at Mélenchon's side was French author Annie Ernault, who won the Nobel Prize for Literature this year. Mélenchon, twice beaten by Macron in presidential elections, declared the protest an immense success. Costa Menes, NTD News. Animal rebellion protesters poured milk on the floor in shops across the United Kingdom. The group says it was to protest the government's lack of support for farmers in the transition to a plant-based future. Videos of the protests were released Saturday showing they were part of a coordinated plan across the UK. The videos show protesters pouring milk from the shelves onto the ground as staff asked them to leave. Four people were arrested and charged with assault and criminal damages. Supporters of the group held similar protests in July. At that time, two individuals were arrested and charged with over $100,000 in damages. Next, this year's Pacific International Quilt Festival is celebrating its 31st anniversary. We take a look at the best of show and many more creations when we come back. Welcome back. Some people may have taken up sewing and knitting during the last two years, making homemade masks during pandemic lockdowns or other household goods. But the art of sewing and quilting has a long tradition. And today's David Lam spoke to quilting connoisseurs on Friday to hear more. We're at the Pacific International Quilt Festival in Santa Clara, celebrating the art of quilting for the 31st anniversary. Now here we have this quilt that won Best of Show and just from the look of it, you can see the amount of detail put into the quilt. This original design quilt is named Sweet Madame Blue, sewn by Margaret Gunn from Maine. It represents the culmination of patience and skill. David Mancuso, an antiques collector at heart and the man behind the quilt festival, says... It's very exciting to be a part of the quilting community and it's interesting how things have changed over the years. A lot of people will say that quilting is an American art but I'm not totally sure of that. You know, I think it's been around the world even before. Artists use a combination of machine and handwork. I think the quilting part, the stitching on the machine. Um, the, this is applique, this is applique. The festival is a hybrid event drawing in guests and artists from all over, including Australia and Japan. Mancuso says the Bay Area is really a respected gathering of a lot of quilters. 
It's a public show. It's open to the public for people to come out and, and enjoy shopping the vendors and also looking at hundreds of quilts, some of them in our, in our international competitions and some of them are also just special exhibits that travel around the world and around the country. The other aspect of the show is there's a learning aspect to the show and we also offer workshops, seminars, lectures. We even have a fashion show. Uh, we have wearable art here. We have textile art and of course, quilting art. Entries had to be stitched within the last three years. Mancuso showed off another quilt from a prize-winning quilter. You could see the tradition in it, the starburst, the applique. When you see this very thick applique like this, it's called trapunto. Okay, and it's, it's a very old, you know, people in the 18th century were using uh, trapunto in their quilting. So this is a great example of a traditional quilt. Lucy Mice, an attendee, is getting inspiration from the clothing as she likes sewing her own clothes. I think for me it's creativity and the uniqueness. I'm making it for me and I'm using the colors of fabrics that I like, uh, the patterns of fabrics that I like. She's been sewing since 1997. You can buy sweatshirts now and you can um, embellish those so it looks like a sweatshirt beautiful sweatshirt um, coat for yourself. This year, the festival runs from October 13th to Sunday, October 16th. It's open from 10 to 5 this Saturday and 10 to 4 on Sunday. David Lamb, Entity News, California. That just looks amazing. I really wonder how long it takes to finish something like that. Very good question. I would know. I mean, the only thing that I ever knitted was like a little, little beanie in kindergarten. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, I knitted, a, or I actually sewed a pillow in home ec class. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So we want to end the show with some stunning footage. The mighty Iguazu Falls are roaring once again after a week of heavy rains in South Brazil. The flow of its waters is 10 times higher than average. The waterfalls are located at the border of Brazil and Argentina. Park authorities closed the main footbridges on the Brazilian side of the river for a week, but they were reopened over the weekend. Hydroelectric dams opened their floodgates to relieve the water load and prevent flooding. The World Heritage Site is considered one of the seven new natural wonders of the world. Wow, that looks incredible. Yeah, I know. Waterfalls are just so majestic. My wife and I, we always seek them out. We've seen really tall ones and then cascading ones. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. I like them too. Yeah. But before we go, remember to email us if you have any thoughts, ideas for the program at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.